All right. Let me, uh, let me pray for us and we'll get started. Our Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the reminder of your grace and mercy to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way that you remind us of our need to gather together with your people on a regular basis to worship you and to rest. We pray that you would remind us of that again today as we spend some time thinking about that in Sunday school. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take the volume down a little bit. Thank you. All right. Well, it's been a few weeks since we have uh, been in our adult class. We had uh, our missions conference, and um, we had a congregational meeting, and we had uh, last week uh, kind of a uh, uh, recognition of Orphan Sunday with Paul Pennington. And so it's been a few weeks since we've actually been in, in this class. So just a quick recap of kind of what we've been doing and, and what we've covered. Uh, this fall, in the Sunday school class, we have been reflecting on the way that Uh, We are supposed to be growing and maturing as a Christian. And we have talked and reminded ourselves that uh, although it sounds a little bit unusual to talk about it this way, there are... Uh, there are a number of liturgies that kind of influence us in the world. And so a liturgy is just kind of the habits, the practices, the ways that we go about doing things. And so we've talked about the fact that uh, there are just liturgies everywhere in our lives. And it's important for us actually to pay attention to those because they are influencing us. They are forming us. They are shaping us uh, either toward being more God-oriented or being less God-oriented. Liturgies can do either one of those things. They can move us into a deeper understanding and relationship with the Lord, or they can cause us uh, and and help us to move further away from a love and a service to the Lord. So uh, we've talked about the fact that God has, because of this is just the way we work, it's the way that He has made us to have um, these things shape us and form us. It, It makes sense that God has given us some habits, some practices, to help us to grow and to flourish and to mature as these people. And so what we've been doing through the class has been thinking about what those things are that God gives us uh, as a a means of helping us to grow, as a means of helping to, to, to form us into the people that He wants us to be. Uh, I was looking uh, at some notes this past week and uh, one way that uh, one commentator was uh, reflecting on this was that uh, we are constantly being discipled. Throughout the week, you are being discipled. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of who's discipling you. Uh, are you being discipled more and more toward the Lord or are you and by the Lord? Or are you being discipled by all of these other things that are around you that may not have uh, an eye toward you growing in Christ-likeness, of, of flourishing and growing and maturing as, as a Christian disciple? So we've been looking at the things that the Lord gives us to form and fashion us, to make us those people that are pleasing to Him. And we've looked at things like corporate worship, Uh, We have looked at things like uh, a corporate fellowship that we have with God's people together as we gather together, uh, not only on Sunday mornings, but in smaller gatherings throughout the week as we get together with individual believers and groups of believers. Uh, We looked at uh, the idea of corporate service, of serving the Lord in our vocations, but also as we come together as God's people to serve inside the church and outside of the church. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we looked at more individual things that God gives us, like like spending time reading His Word, 
looking at the scriptures, uh, studying the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, um, God speaking to us through his word by the spirit. And then uh, the last time that we got together, we, we talked about the idea of spending time in prayer and how the Lord uses that to help form and fashion and shape us into the people that we're supposed to be. And so this week I want to think about another, um, although we do it together as well, but I want to think about it from an individual point of view, another thing that God gives us. And in some ways, of all of the things that we've looked at so far, maybe this is the hardest. The idea of rest. Uh, the idea of Sabbath rest in particular. God gives us this as, as a way of forming us and shaping us, calling us to be the people that He desires us to be. I don't know if you've ever thought of rest that way, but it is, it is a means by which we can... Uh, become the people that we are supposed to be in the image of God, but also as His children. So, as I mentioned the idea of rest, I saw, um, I saw two responses from everybody's faces. Not everybody, but most people's faces. Either people kind of grinned sheepishly, or they looked down. <laughs> and I'm guessing that in some ways that betrays the exact same thought, and that is, we have a problem. What's our problem? We don't rest well. Can we just kind of agree about that? I mean, I'm not saying all the time, everybody, but can we just be honest and acknowledge we, as a people, in general, uh, tend not to rest well. Why is that? Why do you think that we tend to not rest well? What are some reasons? We feel guilty about resting. Why? Why do we feel guilty? The American mindset of work, work, work. We, there's always more work to do, right? If, if I'm resting, then I must be negligent in not doing work that I'm supposed to be doing. Or some, at least somebody else thinks I should be doing. Right? Okay, good. We feel guilty. What else, Liz? Yeah, so Liz, you may not have heard her. Liz is saying that our minds, it seems like um, our minds are oriented towards constantly moving and constantly doing things so that when we sit down, we're kind of always looking at something or doing something. Even when we're sitting down to rest, we're not resting, right? Now, why do you think that is? I mean, you're diagnosing that issue, but what's what's the reason behind that? Why are, Why are we constantly driven to kind of need the next thing? One thing for a long time, thinking, processing, I'm in the woods and there's no way that anyone anywhere else can contact me, kind of, that's also just the rituals that they've lost. Okay, so you said screens. I'm, I'm guessing you mean like computer screens and phone screens and tablet screens and TV screens and all of these different things that are constantly in front of us, constantly changing what we're looking at, what we're doing. And so when we actually sit down, it's hard work to actually focus on one thing for a prolonged period of time and to just rest in that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Okay, good. Jessica, did you have your hand up? 
forgot something, like worse later. <laughs> if I... If I'm resting, it probably means I'm forgetting to do something that I'm supposed to be doing. Because why? I mean, what's the assumption behind that statement? That there's always something I'm supposed to be doing, right? And if I'm not doing something, then I'm, again, I'm being negligent. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fulfilling a responsibility or, or taking care of a crying child or whatever it might be, right? Good, good. Chuck, do you have your hand up? Rest equals laziness or slovenliness. Says Chuck. Well, or Chuck's dad. Or... <laughs> Chuck's wife. <laughs> Chuck's wife. <laughs> yeah, so it, uh, rest equals laziness in our culture, in our families. Um, lots of different ways. That, that's kind of the undergirding assumption. Um, it produces the guilt that if I'm not working, then somebody else feels I'm lazy. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, so I should be working harder. I should be, you know, going, 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 and not resting because then I'm actually making myself productive or whatever it might be. Right? Okay. Good. Good. Other reasons for our inability to rest. This maybe is the same, but it feels really good to get stuff done. It feels good to get stuff done. Yeah. And, and so the assumption there and what you're saying is that resting is equals not getting anything done. Right? Okay, interesting. We'll, hopefully we'll challenge that in a minute. Marcy? Say, say it again. Yeah, kind of going back to what Jessica said there. Yeah, that there's an unlimited number of needs that need to be met. So you, if you if you accomplish a task and you feel good about that task, it's hard to rest because the next next task is right there, ready to go. Whether you've got it on your to do list, or somebody else has it on the to do list for you, or whether it's just this some kind of feeling that's out there that uh, there's something else I should be doing, I need to be doing. Megan. Okay, so we can, even when we're disconnecting from work, it still isn't rest because even in those moments, it's hard to kind of, kind of settle down. Is that kind of what you're saying? Okay, okay, good, Jenny. Kind of on the same vein. When I need a break, you know, sometimes I think, well, I should rest, but first I'm going to do something that. Um, I don't know, something entertaining. Maybe I'm going to watch a show. Maybe I'm going to go shop for something that I want. Maybe I'm going to just sit and worry about my anxiety. You know, and then I get to the end of that, and I'm like, well, I don't have time to rest anymore. <laughs> right, so we, we, can, we can run out of, I mean, rest is not an unlimited amount of time, so we can run out of the time to rest because we're so worried that we're not resting well. I'm doing something else that's not worth it. Yeah, good, good. Beth? Uh, God tells us to rest, and... Obedience is hard. Ooh. God tells us to rest, and obedience is hard. Good. Good. You don't trust that the world's going to keep turning if we don't do the things on the list. Say it again. You don't trust that the world's going to keep turning if we don't do the things on our list. Yeah, like the world will come to an end if I don't get this to-do list done. Even if it's not mine. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of a hyper-importance of ourselves, of our 
our sense of what we need to do. Okay, good, good. Other thoughts? I think for me, like, kind of along the same lines of what someone else was saying is that, um, like, I don't know how to rest, but, like, just, like, I, I feel like there are activities for me that are restful um, and refreshing and rejuvenating, and I it took me a really long time to figure out what some of those are. Yeah. Some things that I feel like should be restful or not. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so sometimes even when we've gotten the decks cleared and we're actually at a place where we can rest, we're not even really sure what that looks like or what it, how to do it. Right? Um, is there a good way and, a, and a, is there a right way and a wrong way to rest? Great question. Great question. What I was going to say is that resting is not necessarily sitting. No. So if you're finally going to try to test a recipe you've always wanted to try. It's completely unrelated to work or all these other obligations. To me, that's resting and relaxing. Good. So there are different kinds of rest, and, diff- and even for different people, that what that looks like may look differently. We're going to come back to that, to that at the end. So um, hold, uh, keep, keep that thought, and we'll hopefully unpack that a little bit, because I think that's really important, is that what our expectation is of what rest looks like sometimes can cause us not to rest well um, or, or to feel like we're not resting well when actually we may be doing something could be restful for us. Um, good. BJ, do you have your hand up? Yeah, I was going to say that um, sometimes the rest that comes, that we need to be detaching from stimuli and um, keep, keeps us from being, well, we're not contemplating. And it's, we avoid that, maybe like what Beth was getting at. Because it's, it's hard, it's even painful to be alone with thoughts or to be contemplative because we might not like what we yeah. 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 Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, uh, this is kind of getting at the same thing you're saying. One of the things I wrote down is that we're afraid or anxious when we rest. Um, just, just having, um, whether it's time, whether we're actually doing something, but we have time to kind of just reflect on whatever it is and, and rest in that moment, or whether it's literally that we're carving out space where we're not doing anything, that's an uncomfortable place sometimes to be. Um, we're not we're not comfortable in that place, and so it's easy to just kind of allow ourselves to get distracted and to pull the screens up and those kind of things because that's more comfortable. That's um, that's a that's an easier place for us to be. Okay, good. Ron? One thing I think of, of rest is, is peace. And uh, there's a verse, Hugh's mind is stayed on me, it's kept me perfect peace. Yeah. And that's, that's where we can find rest, whether we're busy at work, doing a project, um, trying to do a recipe. Yeah. That's, that's the peace. Yeah. Yeah, there's this connection there between rest and peace, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. That's good. One other thing I, I wrote down, um, Paul Pennington last week used this phrase, and, uh, and you know everybody in, in kind of this section of the of the room knows what FOMO is, F O M O, right? Right. Uh, so for us older generations, it's fear of missing out. FOMO. There's, there's, I mean, it's not just about the young people. Like, that's true for all of us, right? If I'm resting, if I'm not doing something, there's a fear that I'm missing out on something else that's happening, whether it's information or uh, an activity or whatever it might be. Sometimes that can just very easily be the reason why we're 
not able to rest is like, I've got to be involved in everything. <laughs> um, because I'm afraid that if I don't, I'm going to miss out on, you know, what the cool people are doing or whatever, however we define that. There's just kind of this, this anxiety, fear that, that comes over us. Well, what I want us to look at, I mean, we could, we can unpack this even more, but I think we're, for the most part, all on the same page that there is a problem here about us, um, having trouble at the very least, um, of, of not resting well. So what I want us to do is I want you to see, and we're going to look at a couple of Bible passages. So if you have the red Bibles or your own Bibles, I'm going to have you turn to a couple of different passages. And I want us to see, first of all, um, the Bible talks about rest in a couple of different ways, um, a number of different ways. We're going to look at two in particular kind of umbrellas. Um, one way that the Bible speaks about rest is, is a spiritual rest, right? So, I, you know, you look at a passage like Matthew 11. Uh, this is this passage is on page 816 in the red Bibles there. It's a passage we use a lot in our Sunday services. Um, it's a wonderful reminder from the Lord Jesus. Um, he in, in chapter 11 of Matthew, uh, beginning in verse 28, Jesus speaking says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's this idea that there is a rest for the soul. Um, There's this sense of a deeper rest that we're designed for, that we are uh, created for. We look in the garden and we see this this season, this rhythm of of work and rest. And uh, God's created us with that need, not just physically but spiritually, that we have this need to spiritually rest, to rest in Jesus and what He does for us, how He, how he uh, accomplishes the work that has to be done in making us acceptable before God through His work on the cross. So there's this, there's this sense of a, of a spiritual rest that we need. We, we can also see it if you flip over uh, a few more books to your right in Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 4. We covered this when we were looking through the book of Hebrews, so you may remember this passage. Um, I'm going to have us look at chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. It's on page 1002 and 1003 in those red Bibles. Before I read the passage, because we're going to kind of jump right in the middle of this passage in order for me to quote these verses, but before we do that, I want us to look just kind of quickly at the context before we get to these verses. So what is the author to the Hebrews, what's his big point kind of in the first six verses of chapter 3? That Jesus is what? He's better than everything, right? He's greater. He, and specifically, he's talking about there in those first six verses of chapter 3, he's referencing Moses and, and the fact that Jesus is greater than Moses. And then he goes uh, in verses 7 and following down through the end of chapter 3, um, and he starts talking about a rest for the people of God. And he quotes there... And uh, and then he, he talks a little bit about what was going on with those people. Who is he referring to there in chapter 3, verses 7 and following? Who is he referencing? The nation of Israel. Yeah, the nation of Israel when? 
when in particular? Yeah, the, the wandering uh, in the wilderness. And, and notice a couple things that he says here about them. He, he's using phrases like in verse 12, unbelieving heart. Um, he, he talks about in the end of verse 13, the deceitfulness of sin. Um, he's talking about this wilderness generation that rebelled against God and because of that weren't allowed to enter the promised land, the land of rest, um, because of, we're told, because of their unbelief. And then we come to chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, and the author to the Hebrews, writing to these people and then obviously to us as well, he says, so then in verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So again, as he's talking about this rest, he's, he, there, there's multiple parts of it here. But one, at least one part of it is he's speaking about this spiritual rest um, that the unbelieving generation, because of their unbelieving hearts, because of their dece- the deceitfulness of their sin because of their their hardness of their hearts weren't allowed to or didn't weren't resting in God trusting in him uh entrusting their their lives to him and as a result they uh were disciplined because of that so again he's reminding that there is a rest that isn't just physical it's there's a spiritual rest that God's people are supposed to according to Hebrews to strive to enter uh, to 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 uh, to understand and to 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 put our trust in our heavenly Father. So the Bible, there are lots of other places too, but the Bible certainly speaks about the spiritual the spiritual rest that every human being needs to have. So the Bible also talks about a physical rest. If you flip uh, to your left to the Gospel of Mark, uh, and uh, kind of toward the beginning of Mark in chapter six, uh, if you look at page 841 in those red Bibles. Um, let's look, before I, before I read the passage to you, let's look again at the, at the context. Um, what is happening at the end of verse 6 of chapter 6? Mark chapter 6, the end of verse 6, what are we told? Jesus is teaching in the villages, and then verses 7 down through verse 13, what do we read is going on? Say again. Go ahead. Yeah, so the, Jesus is teaching in the villages, and then he sends out the disciples to go out and to witness and to minister to the needs of the people, to to tell people about the Lord Jesus and what he has come to do. And then we have verses 14 down through the ver- end of uh, 14 through verse 29. That's talking about John the Baptist and when he was killed. And we read at the end of that section, um, verse 29 in particular. What were the disciples doing there? It's not a trick question. What's happening in verse 29? So, so, right. So, you, in other words, what I'm saying is the disciples are busy. 
right? They're they're following Jesus as He's teaching the villages. They're being sent out by Jesus to go out and to witness, to uh, serve the needs of the people, uh, to remind people about who Jesus is, that He's arrived, uh, to call them to faith and repentance. Then John the Baptist is killed, and the disciples are the ones that are helping to kind of take care of the end of that situation, um, and just how how difficult that must have been just psychologically, emotionally, for them to to go through that. And and then... um, We read in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now that's a pregnant sentence. There is a lot there. There's a lot going on there. And then in verse 31, look at how Jesus responds. And he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. I, I, it's just wonderful that that little passage is in there. Um, I mean, would, would your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ be any different if that passage wasn't in there? Probably not. You'd still know what He did. You'd still be, know that you're, you're to put your faith in Him and to trust in His righteousness, right? But God in His providence put that in His Word in such a way that it is as authoritative as the fact that Jesus said it is finished. So there must be something there for us to acknowledge, and that is that we need physical rest. His disciples were worn out. They were doing a lot. And Jesus knew it. And so he said, you know what? You guys need to come away and actually don't bring anybody with you. Come away by yourselves. And we're going to go to a place with lots of screens and distractions. No, we're going to go to a desolate place. In fact, we're going to get in a boat. (laughs) And we're going to go to a desolate place. Why? Because you guys have been serving you have been helping to meet the needs of people. You have been sharing the gospel. You haven't even had time to eat. You are worn out physically. Right? You need rest. So, what's that? Well, yeah, that's. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the disciples did it perfectly. We're going to cover that in a minute. (laughs) I'm just pointing out that Jesus is acknowledging that there is a physical rest that is needed and that is legitimate for us to acknowledge that we have and that is good for us to to try to deal with that. Um, Another uh, pretty clear case of the fact that we need physical rest is, if you were here for the first service, we read through the Ten Commandments again. Um, the fourth commandment is what? No, that's the, that's the tenth. That was a trick question. We talked about the tenth commandment this morning, but what's the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day, right? And and what is uh, what are the some of the ways that uh, the Exodus twenty passage reminds us that we that we keep that uh, commandment is by resting physically, that we're not doing work physically, that we're not causing other people to do work physically for us, right? So there's this. There is this sense that the Bible understands and teaches us, because um, God created us this way, that we need rest. We need physical rest. We need spiritual rest. We need physical rest. But as we come to the fourth commandment, as we come to that Exodus 20 passage, we see that the physical rest and the spiritual rest are actually connected. 
So the fourth commandment says, honor the, the keep the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. What's, does anybody remember what the rationale that God gives for why the Sabbath should be kept? Why there should be physical rest? God set an example. God set an example how? When? By resting on the seventh day of creation. Now, did God need to rest? Did he need the physical rest? Okay, wait a minute. I've got two... This is great. I've got... I've got, I've got two godly women, one saying yes and one saying no. And they both have green on, so I don't know what that means, but... Ah, that's, no, you're going you're gonna to cl- clarify. That's, there's, a smart, there's a smart person there. Um, did God need physical rest? I think the answer to that is no. Right? God didn't need to physically rest. God doesn't have a body like we do. God is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is, he is all-powerful. Uh, he didn't physically have to lay down because his arms and legs were tired and he was, he was physically drained after all of this work that he had done in the first six days of creation, right? I mean, the rest of the scriptures verify that for us. So, if God didn't physically have to rest, why did he rest? And Carl, you already gave us the answer, and that is he was modeling it for us. He was giving us this rhythm. But it is interesting in the commandment of the physical need for us to take a day in seven to rest physically. There's the rationale behind that is a spiritual need. That we need to rest because of how God has created us spiritually to need that. So there's this connection between the physical and the spiritual rest that we need to have. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, we can th- even think about what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He says, he's talking about the Sabbath, and he says, The Sabbath, who was the Sabbath made for? It was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, why do you think... I mean, as you think about our physical and our spiritual rest, having a connection. I'm not saying they're the exact same thing. I'm saying that there's a connector between the two, that they're somewhat related. How does the fact that Jesus say, says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, how does it get to that, Eric? Um, perhaps God physically did not need the rest in the seventh day. But God also modeled that he enjoyed the creation on the seventh day. Okay. So I think by Sabbath being for the man, not man for the Sabbath, we are called to enjoy the creation, not just to work it seven days a week. Good, good. So there's this, there's this uh, not only the physical rest needed, but also the, the celebratory, the, the enjoyment factor of God's beautiful creation, of all that he's given to us, that there's a, a place for us to pause. Even as God paused at the end of each day, looked at what he had created and said, it is good, I celebrate this, right? And there's a sense in which he's showing us this is a regular rhythm that we should participate in as we would not only get the physical rest that we need because of the way he's called us and, or the way he's knit us together, but we also have this sense of there's something bigger going on here and I need to enjoy this for the sake of my soul, for the sake of my, of my inner being. Okay, good, good, good. Yes. 
Yeah, good, good. So the idea of being satisfied in what God has done in His creation and in in His Son, right? So there's a satisfaction. So that goes to not just the physical part, but also the the contentment and the the joy and the satisfaction goes to the core of who we are, the the kind of the 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 being of who we are. So what I the, the point that I'm trying to make and what I want you guys to be thinking about um, here before we're going to try to brainstorm some ways that we can do a better job of resting. But I want you to see that the Bible speaks about a spiritual rest. The Bible speaks about a physical rest. That there is a connector between the two. And it, it does seem that what ultimately enables us to do both is to have uh, a trust in the Lord, not just to be sovereign over all the details of our life, but that we actually trust Him that that in Him all things are complete. All things are good. All things are final. And, and another way you could talk about that is the gospel. <laughs> that if the gospel is really real, that Christ has fully and completely paid for our sins, made us forever acceptable, forever adopted into God's family. That there's no that there's no possibility of that being revoked. God never says I'll never leave you or forsake you. If those if those promises are true, if that if those are realities for us, then there is a there is a way that we can rest. We can we can rest in that we can rest physically we can rest spiritually because that work of Jesus has been completed finished is forever locked in and so it gives us this sense of i don't have to fear that i'm missing out i don't i don't have to i don't have to be so overly concerned about what other people think about how busy i should be that i completely live my life according to what they say I'm not saying we shouldn't be good workers. I'm not saying we shouldn't be conscientious. What I am saying is that, that that can go to an extreme, in which case we run ourselves into the ground. And if the gospel is true, that actually has something to say about how we approach that. So there's this connector between our physical and spiritual rest, and what is right there in the middle that helps us to navigate all of that is the gospel that in Christ we can find rest for our souls and for our bodies. We can believe that we are complete in Christ. We can have the fear and anxiety and guilt of always having to do more to win the approval of somebody removed from our hearts because of what Christ has done on the cross for us that He he has made us Acceptable. He has made us sufficient. He has made us loved and cherished and treasured by our Heavenly Father. And it, that enables us to say, okay, maybe God did know what He was doing when He created us with this need. I mean, think about it that way too. Are you willing to actually trust God that He knows what you need? Now, hopefully all of us would say, of course. But how much... Do our actions ever betray that... You understand what I'm saying? We we will say, right, we're in Sunday school. We have to give the Sunday school answers. Yeah, it's Jesus, right? We we just covered Him. So we're, we're covered there. But because of Jesus, we can actually trust 
God. Don't make this more complicated than what it is. We can actually trust God. He has said we need rest. He he has woven it into the fabric of His creation and into our DNA that we need rest. Do you believe Him? Do you trust Him? Can you trust Him? Can you trust Him that there actually is a need for you to rest? The answer to that question is, do you believe the gospel? If the gospel is really real, then you can trust Him. You can trust Him in what He says and what He calls you to do to rest. Spiritually, physically. To, to, to relish and uh, revel in this incredible creation. To be satisfied, to be content in what He has done for us. And what He is doing in uh, redeeming this creation for Himself. So, with that kind of big umbrella uh, that we're operating under, what I want to do here in our last ten minutes or five minutes or whatever we've got here, is I want us to brainstorm about what are some ways that we can rest better. What are some... I'm not suggesting... I mean, if you've got some things that you've actually found that are working well for you, please share them. But it doesn't mean that if you have an idea that you haven't necessarily done yourself, you can't also share that, right? Um, so what are, what are some things that you think could be helpful to us as we would seek to believe what we say we believe, to rest and trust in that truth, and then to get the rest that we need in our lives? Have some suggestions and ideas? We're all on the same page. None of us are doing this well. So don't you, we've, got all, we've all got that figured out already. One thing we really enjoy doing, and the weather is going to start to get prohibitive, though, uh, is going for a walk as a family. Okay. Get the kids in the stroller and go walking, even if it's around the neighborhood or whatever. It's just good to get outside and stretch your legs and not sit in front of the television or you know be distracted. And it's a good opportunity for conversation and lets the kids run around. and Yeah. Good, so just going for a walk. Good. That can happen as a family. It could happen as an individual, right? Um, it enables you to connect with one of the things Eric was saying and just kind of being observant of what the, the beauty of the creation around. Um, a fantastic idea. Just simple, right? Just go for a walk. It's pretty cheap, too. Um, I suppose it depends on where you walk. but uh, uh, and, and, you know, like you said, it gets this part of the country, it gets a little bit difficult certain times of the year. Sure. Yeah. Get a lunch break. Get a get another break and go for go for a walk. Good, good. There was a hand in the back. Jessica. Have a routine and stick to it, and put rest into the Ah, okay. Uh, have a routine and put rest into that routine, and then stick to it. Um, I think that's really good, especially if we're, if you're somebody that tends to be. Um, well, let me say it this way: if you're somebody who tends to be, um, let's just say. Um, not driven by routine, um, it, maybe it would be helpful to actually schedule some rest, right? I mean, here's a crazy idea. Why don't you actually put it on your calendar? Rest. And then block, a, block some time out on your calendar to go re- to take a walk to whatever it might be, right? Um, some of us that are um, 
maybe hyperactive schedulers, uh, I'm not suggesting that's you, Jessica, I'm, I'm pointing the finger to myself more. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, I can, if I throw the schedule in there and then it becomes just one more activity for me to do and I can kind of twist it. Um, um, but, but I like your idea that we need to have some intentionality, some, some consciousness, to, some choice to actually do that. Jenny? But if I say, um, you know, between 6 and 7 in the evening, I'm going to spend a half an hour resting, or I'm going to set an alarm for 8.15, I'm going to drop what I'm doing and take some rest. That works better for me. Good. Good. And then my other idea is to have a place for rest, whether that is a place where there isn't a screen in your home or a place where there's a comfortable and warm couch or bed to (laughs) sit down on, um, or whether it's, you know, a favorite park or a favorite um, place by the screen to walk or... Yeah. A friend where you can sit down and have coffee or tea and just enjoy conversation, whatever is restful. Um, yeah. But, but a place that's conducive to rest but isn't cluttered and you have to clean it up before you can rest. Good, good. So so being intentional about creating space and a, and a place to have some time for rest. And I, the other thing you said that I think is helpful for us to acknowledge here is that rest is going to look different for different people. Um, there are some of us in this room that what rest should look like is a nap. Um, we just drive and drive and drive and we're exhausted all the time and we need to give ourselves the freedom. I'm not talking to the high schoolers now because that, that, well, let me say, I'm not talking to my high schoolers. I, <laughs> we've got plenty of sleeping going on at our house. Uh, but some, there are some of us in this room that like rest needs to physically be sleep. Like you need to give yourself permission to sleep some more. Sleep's a good thing. It's a way that our bodies are rejuvenated. And they're, they're, sometimes we think that if we're sleeping, we're being lazy. We talked about earlier. We're not getting. But but maybe if you create that space in your, that that's something that actually would be beneficial is just to take a nap, close your eyes, and rest. Rest that the world won't end if I am taking a nap. Uh, or if it does, it's better because I'll go be with Jesus, right? Um, Randy? Well, I guess before we, we finish out, I want to ask the question of, you know, the fourth commandment doesn't say remember to rest. Yep. You know, it, it ties it to a particular day. Yep. How we sort of, how we tie those two things. Yep, good, good. I was hoping we were going to get there. So, um, you want to take us there? Well, I'll give one practical. Example. Yep. I mean, we try to. We're not really good at this, but when we were raising kids and when they're at home, you know, setting the day apart somehow distinctly. The day being Sunday, okay. You know, so practically speaking, um, Sunday was no weapon. <laughs> so Sunday was the day. I I love that. I I mean, really, because what you're showing us, what you're giving us an example of, is making the day different, right? right? Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> right. I mean, it, it, yeah, it could be anything, right? It could be weapons. It could be whatever. But but it's it's making this day different and unique in our busy schedule. God's given us this day, and so how are we using this day? Well, we're making it unique, and and we're we're recognizing that there is a day that God's given us to rest. And how are we going to do that? Well, there are different ways we can do that. But making ourselves get out of that regular routine of things, the normal activities we do, and do something different. Um, it may not be a nap. It may just be not doing this, which then gives us the space to, to, to do other things. Great. I think that's a great example. Other specific things about Sunday. Dale? Okay. Being content. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that goes to the gospel issue, right? If, if, if we're having trouble being content... Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's part of the gospel issue there, but but I think um, so. Flesh it out a little bit more. What is being? What does just being content look like for Dale? Okay. Okay. You could be doing something and be having that sense of reminder of contentment, and or you could be doing nothing. Be very content. That's a good reminder that no matter what we're doing, we can either be content or not content. We can be taking a nap and falling asleep not being content or we can be uh, we could be at the office and uh, have a sense of contentment knowing that I have the work before me that I'm doing but all this other noise over here is is stuff I can't deal with right now I can just be content that this is what God's given me to do in the moment and I can rest in that right okay good good some other thoughts any other thoughts about Sunday in particular no Randy you have another one Yeah. Yep. 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 So that was an, that's another thing is having the kids try to get all their homework done uh, Monday through Saturday, and then not having you know they're occasionally as Scripture gives us the provision you know occasionally the ox is in the ditch, and so there has to be something that has to be done. But I think it was Billy Graham that said, if your ox is always in the ditch, you either need to get a new ox or you need to fill up the ditch, right? Um, so but it, so there is a provision in Scripture even for when that would happen and the fact that you don't just leave your ox in the ditch on the Sabbath, you get the ox out of the ditch. But, but as a rule, you try to maybe try to get all your homework done. Um, try to get all your homework done uh, uh, before uh, Sunday so that you're able to not have that part of, you know, to, to, to have to work on as well. Let me see where we are in time. We're, we're past time. So there, there are a hundred more ideas that we have. Um, please don't stop thinking about the ideas. Um, be creative about that. Uh, come up with some ideas that will help you, whether it's on Sunday, the day that God's given us, or whether it's other days throughout the week that you need to take that rest. Look for that opportunity and don't lose sight of the fact that it is connected to what we believe uh, about God and what He's done for us. Okay, let me pray for us and then we'll head out. Father, hard 
things for us to acknowledge and to work through. Um, we tend to be restless as opposed to restful. And we tend not to be content. We tend not to be satisfied. We tend not to to have joy and just reflecting on the beauty of your creation because we think that we're too busy for those things. And so I pray, Father, that if nothing else, that you would wake us up to the reality of of who you've created us to be, how you've knit us together, um, and help us to rest and trust in what you have done for us, what you have said is true of us in Christ. And, And may that fuel us to be able to be restful people. Um, I also want to pray, Father, that as we do that, it would be incredibly um, attractive to an unbelieving world and that they might even be drawn to your kingdom as a result of seeing your people resting in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.